The content in this podcast is not meant to replace professional help or advice. This is my story, and a lot of the things that I talk about might or might not help you. Please don't take my experiences as a sign to stop your progress or professional plan. These are my experiences and my research. Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome back to the Mental Magic Podcast. I had a lot of conflicting thoughts about what I wanted to talk about this week. There's quite a lot going on in my noggin and I was overwhelmed with emotions and I almost didn't want to post anything at all. But I realized we are all a bunch of anxious humans and with the poll I took on my Instagram stories, I realized how many of you need to learn more about anxiety. Before we start, I want to talk about some resources I'm offering for this episode. I've used a ton of apps before to help with my anxiety, and they're all nice and all, but very rarely do I find ones that I actually keep for a while. Um, And I've had the app Calm for a a while, uh, quite a while, years. And then when I became a student, they offered me a free membership. I think it's just for a year. I can't remember right now. But uh, yeah, if you're a student or you know a student, let them know that they can get a free membership. It's got a ton of different meditations and breathing exercises that help bring bring you down from moments of like high anxiety or even the beginning of a panic attack. Uh, They also have like little journaling options where you can talk about how you're feeling, what you're grateful for, reflect on your day, uh, reflect on how you slept. Um, There's a few different options to help with your anxiety. And honestly, I find them pretty damn useful. So I I actually recommend this app. Um, It's available on the App Store and the Google Play Store. And I will also be providing a link um, in the description of the podcast and probably a link in my link tree too. Um, I'm also going to be providing a link to a test to see if you have anxiety. Um, you can use it for yourself or send it to someone you think might need it. But just remember, this is not a diagnosis. This test is basically just to kind of give you like a baseline of if you might or might not have anxiety. It just gives you like a little insight on where you stand with anxiety. Um, I do highly suggest that if you get some results that you might be, I don't know, anxious about, (laughs) you should definitely talk to your primary care physician And I say primary care physician because most of the time you have to go through your primary care physician to find a psychologist or a therapist or something because that's just what insurance usually wants. If you don't have insurance, I mean, I'm pretty sure most psychologists and therapists require a referral from your primary care physician. If they don't, then by all means, go straight and find a therapist or a psychologist or, you know, whatever you may need to further your journey with anxiety. Um, but please do not take the results of the test and diagnose yourself and then start self-medicating. That is not the purpose of the test. Um, and that is not the journey I want you to go down because there's just so many things that could go wrong if you do that. So please, please, please talk to a professional before you decide to especially take medication Um, because I know there's a lot of medication out there available which is great for medication to be available for mental health but you just need to know what you're putting into your body because it could affect your organs negatively or it could affect your mind negatively it just really depends so it's it's best to go see a doctor um before starting any medication, even if you've done extensive research, it's best because sometimes certain medications do require like blood work and just managing 
your organs, I guess, in general, <laughs> to make sure the medication isn't affecting you negatively. So just keep that in mind. These resources are here for you to use, to let other people use, but just, you know, take them for what they are and don't, you know, start playing doctor yourself with your mental health because that could end really bad. So what is anxiety? In short, anxiety is how your body reacts to a threat, whether it's real or perceived. Now, when the threat is real, anxiety is great. Anxiety protects us. It's when there is no physical threat, like the threats in your mind, when anxiety starts to become a problem. There is an absolute difference between being nervous and having anxiety. And it's mainly about the length of time that your feelings last. So you may feel the same when you're nervous as an anxious person. But the difference is nervousness happens when you remember something or are in a stressful situation, but it ends after the thought or the situation is gone. Anxiety is persistent, a constant feeling that disrupts everyday life and can at any time for any reason sometimes for no reason, just affect your life negatively. And it's really hard to manage sometimes. Now, occasional anxiety is completely normal and happens to everyone. But once it starts becoming something that you can't handle or it's affecting your life, it's definitely time to find ways to calm yourself. Uh, what many people don't know is that there are different types of anxiety. But the most common symptoms of anxiety are feeling nervous, meaning like feeling fear, worry, or apprehension about a situation, uh, restlessness, or feeling tense, uh, having a sense of impeding, impending danger, uh, panic, or like doom and gloom all the time, uh, having increased heart rate, uh, breathing rapidly, sometimes hyperventilating, sweating, trembling, feeling weak or tired, trouble concentrating, or thinking about anything else than what you're worrying about, having trouble sleeping, experiencing GI problems like your belly hurts or you have really bad acid reflux. Um, you can't control your worry. It's, it's ridiculous how much you worry. Uh, having, having the urge to basically avoid things that trigger anxiety is a huge one with anxiety because once you've had it for so long and you're so tired of dealing with it every day you just want to avoid everything that's making you feel like so let's get into some of the different types of anxiety the first one I want to talk about is called agoraphobia which is when your anxiety gets so bad and the fear is so overwhelming that you completely avoid places or situations uh, these places may bring fear because you feel trapped or helpless or embarrassed or for some reason you just don't feel safe. Uh, when you try to leave your home, you arrive to a place you don't feel safe being at and you start feeling symptoms like panic or you have a full-on panic attack. So when I had agoraphobia, uh, sometimes I, I only felt safe in my bed. I didn't even feel safe going to the bathroom. I didn't feel safe leaving my bedroom I I just felt like leaving my bed would immediately result in something horrible happening to me or somebody else it was it was terrifying <laughs> I think it took me a few years for me to be able to leave my home without panicking or arriving to places and having a complete mental breakdown uh, before going into like Walmart or into my friend's house or something uh, just 
yeah, complete breakdown. I used to actually call it the fear of doorknobs because, I mean, that's what I saw it as. It's just I was terrified of doorknobs. Um, and to be honest, I have no idea how I overcame it. I think I just kind of realized that I needed to work and I needed to make money. So the <laughs> the need to make money overpowered my fear. Doesn't work with everybody. Um, <laughs> not everybody that has agoraphobia is going to be able to just uh, get up and leave their house one day because they have to. But I, I basically forced myself. I let myself have freakouts every time I left my house. I would get up like hours early to have time to freak out before I had to go to an appointment or wherever I had to go. I would kind of give myself time to have my mental breakdown and then I would suck it up and do it. And I don't know if that's the healthiest way to get rid of your agoraphobia. I'm 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 not very good at following healthy ways of doing things. <laughs> so I don't know if I would suggest to just do do that, but um that's how I did it and I mean it it kind of worked. I still have anxiety when I think about leaving, but it's not to the point where I can't leave my bed anymore. It's it's gotten a lot better. Anxiety can also be induced by other medical issues um, like serious, chronic, life-threatening issues, um, usually trigger anxiety. Um, Also, other mental health problems can go hand-in-hand with anxiety. Um, Things like, so like physical problems like heart disease or diabetes or thyroid problems or respiratory problems or uh, withdrawing from medication or alcohol or drugs or like in my case, uh, chronic pain. These these conditions uh, often lead to having constant anxiety. There's actually even a tumor. It's pretty rare. Uh, it's called, oh my God, I'm going to butcher this name, a pheochromocytoma. And it's a tumor in the adrenal gland that basically makes your fight and fight or flight response just completely overactive. And you're just constantly in anxiety. So oftentimes people with medical issues um, that aren't going away tend to bring anxiety like my pain issues cause a lot of my anxiety because I am so afraid of what what's gonna happen today if that makes sense Um, I don't know if I'm gonna be at the grocery store picking up some Gatorade and my spine gives out my legs go numb and I just fall like I I I'm I'm scared of people worrying about me and that by itself me having uh, physical issues worries me that I'm worrying other people so that just brings on a whole bunch of anxiety the last thing I need is for people to be worried about me because my body has given up on me so check in on your friends with medical issues because anxiety is very high in people with uh, physical medical health issues and even other mental health issues so just check on your friends man <laughs> generalized anxiety disorder is what I was actually most recently diagnosed with um Apparently, I've had it since I was about four or five, and I wasn't diagnosed with just anxiety until I was about 15, and before they made it a generalized anxiety, they told me it was just social anxiety, which kind of made sense because I wasn't being completely honest with everybody about the crippling anxiety I was having every single day at all moments of my life. So, um, yeah, it made sense that when I was telling them like, oh, I get nervous, really, 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 really nervous around other humans, they were like, oh, you have social anxiety. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. 
But because I masked it really well, you know, how are they supposed to figure that out? <laughs> and, you know, masking worked until it didn't and everything fell apart. So please don't get there. Please do not live in anguish until you explode because that's that's not helping anybody, especially not you. So please don't follow in my footsteps and just let it get out of hand until it's insanely hard to control. So yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> um, general, general anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder is a type of anxiety that's persistent and extreme. And it's literally over the smallest shit. Um, <laughs> it ranges from worrying about activities and events to literally simple ass routines. Simple, simple shit. I don't get a break from anxiety ever, ever. I am constantly anxious. It, <laughs> it, is, it is something that I wouldn't wish generalized anxiety on anybody. I wish I just had anxiety for like actual things like I know anxiety as a whole doesn't make sense to a lot of people that aren't going through it but like when you have anxiety like social anxiety for example like you're you're afraid of embarrassing yourself or you're afraid of something happening or something like that why 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 am I getting anxiety from like thinking about possibly leaving my house maybe in a few months or why am I almost panicking while brushing my teeth period like there's no reason why I should be panicking while I'm brushing my teeth <laughs> it's it's stupid this type of anxiety is ridiculous and if you have it I'm very sorry for you I totally relate to your pain and may we all figure out a way to get this anxiety under control because damn damn panic disorder has to be one of the fucking suckiest anxiety disorders you could possibly have um if you've ever had a panic attack imagine having one of those multiple times, sometimes monthly, sometimes weekly, sometimes even daily. If you've never had a panic attack before, consider yourself extremely lucky because they are not fun. They are not, they're mildly traumatizing, honestly, because from my experience of having panic attacks, I truly feel like this is this is how I'm going to die. It's not the fear that I'm dying. It's that I'm literally feeling like I'm suffocating to death. And my what's suffocating me is my fear. Like my brain is about to kill me. And no one can do anything about it. That is the feeling I get when I'm panicking. I don't know about you guys. Maybe panic is different in your brain. That is how I feel. And sometimes nobody can convince me otherwise. So yeah, I would I would hate, hate to have a panic disorder. That would be awful. Um, panic attacks come out in the form of like shaking and shortness of breath and feeling like you're being smothered or claustrophobic chest pain oh the chest pain oh my gosh feeling like you're choking <laughs> yeah feeling like you're choking is the worst um heartbeat your heartbeat feels like it's racing so fucking hard that it's going to explode you get dizzy your muscles tense and ultimately you feel impending doom you feel like this is it like this is how it ends. I'm literally killing myself right now with my thoughts. And 
I can't do anything about it. Now, the difference between having panic attacks and anxiety is that panic attacks happen suddenly and they last up to 10 minutes and usually have the previous mentioned symptoms of panic, like the heartbeat racing and all of that, everything that I just mentioned, um, without having a specific trigger. Uh, Anxiety happens over time and can last for months to years. Having what people call anxiety attacks, um, usually anxiety attacks have like a trigger behind them. I tried learning more about the difference between anxiety and panic attacks because I truly never knew the real reasoning behind them being separated. Um, And I really only found that the difference is lack of knowing triggers. So with panic, you don't know what your trigger is. And with anxiety attacks, you know what it is. Like you smelled something or you saw something or you, I don't know, had deja vu about something and now you have an attack of anxiety. But panic is usually, if there is a trigger, fuck knows what it is. Which, I mean, it makes sense because I've had attacks where I know exactly why I'm freaking out and I can kind of like talk myself down or have somebody talk me down. Um, It's a lot easier for me to kind of come back to the present and not absolutely lose my mind but you know panic attacks are a little bit different a little bit different yeah panic attacks are awful Uh, I don't wish that on anybody but if you do have a panic disorder I'm so sorry and I hope I hope you can get the help you need because living in panic is absolutely terrifying and awful Selective mutism is actually something I recently learned from my sister, who's a speech therapist. This is a type of anxiety that prevents a person from being able to speak in certain social situations. It usually starts in childhood, and if it's not treated, it can continue into teen and adulthood. Uh, She told me it's actually a fear of talking to other people. And it's a fear so strong That you believe that if you do talk, that someone will hurt you or someone you love. People with this type of anxiety tend to only talk to one or two people. And when they do talk to them, they have to be completely alone with them. And if anybody interrupts them, they will go back to not speaking. So this tends to be more common in children with parents who have severe anxiety and a lack of socializing. That usually results in the child having such bad anxiety that they decide to not speak. And although there are some teens and adults that never got the help that they needed and they are still mute, I think there's ways like speech therapy, like what my sister does, to help them kind of come out of their shell with someone new and voice what they need to voice whether it's their feelings or their needs or their wants or whatever every every person deserves to have a voice and to be able to feel like they can voice their opinions and feelings and hurts and whatever freely I mean I understand the idea of not wanting to talk about your feelings but to literally not want to talk at all because of your anxiety that's awful I'm so sorry for any child or teen or adult who has it. Separation anxiety is actually another uh, anxiety disorder that is most common in children. And although it is normal for infants and toddlers to show signs of separation anxiety, they should outgrow it by the age of three. Once it starts affecting their everyday life, or they start having panic attacks or other problems associated with the removal of a guardian that they trust, it's best to talk to someone about helping your kid overcome this. 
many times this will not be resolved without professional help and professional treatment. It's not impossible, but separation anxiety isn't as common in teens or adults. So it's best to get help for your kid as soon as possible. Some of the symptoms you want to watch out for are reoccurrent or excessive distress about anticipating or being away from home or a loved one, constant and excessive worry about losing a parent or a guardian or a family member to an illness or a disaster, constantly worrying about something bad happening like being lost or kidnapped, uh, when they start refusing to be away from home because they're, a fear, they're, they're fearful of being separated, um, not wanting to be home alone or without a parent, guardian, or another person that they trust or love that they live with, um, reluctance or refusing to sleep away from home without a parent, guardian, or loved one repeated nightmares about separation, frequent complaints about headaches, stomach aches, or other symptoms when separated from the parent, guardian, or loved one, even if it's anticipated, um, whether or not the separation happens, even if it's anticipating and they start getting these physical uh, feelings of headaches and stomach aches uh, that is associated with anxiety as well. This is usually triggered by life events or stress about losing a loved one, mom, dad, grandma, aunt, uncle, whoever they're very connected to. The fear of losing them is so overwhelming that they develop this disorder, this anxiety disorder. Um, Sometimes genetics plays a role in separation anxiety. Um, I didn't find too much about genetics. I did find like a little bit about it, but not, not as much as a child just having overwhelming stress about a loved one no longer being here, whether it's death or something they can't wrap their minds around and accept and it's something that they can definitely probably more than likely get over since not a lot of uh, teens and adults have it if they get help so yeah if you have any stories about like your kid having separation anxiety that I I love to hear them because I I don't have children and nobody that I know personally that has kids has ever told me at least uh maybe they have and they just never talked about it but if you're willing to tell me a story about a kid you know or your kid that had separation anxiety and just give me more insight on it that would be awesome because yeah you can only find so much on the internet and I like to hear from like people that have been through it so yeah let me know (laughs) Social anxiety or social phobia is an intense level of anxiety, fear, and avoidance of social situations. It's usually accompanied with feelings of like embarrassment, um, self-consciousness, and like an overwhelming feeling of people being judged or, or people judging them, I'm sorry, or just being viewed in a negative way. It's an overwhelming, intense, and persistent feeling that you get no matter where you go. Um, this can negatively affect so any social situation at all. <laughs> um, like school, work, or literally any daily activity that involves humans in your vicinity. Having this makes it really hard to make and keep friends since not many people understand anxiety to begin with. So trying to explain to someone that you basically have a fear of people isn't always the easiest and not many people understand or want to deal with it. It's so much more than just being nervous around a ton of people 
or feeling uncomfortable speaking in front of a group. It's these haunting thoughts that infiltrate your mind while you're trying to introduce yourself for the first time. Uh, It's wondering if your professor hates you because you can never answer a question correctly. So going to class starts to become borderline impossible or completely debilitating. The fear and thoughts and intense anxiety get in the way of your work efficiency. Attending class, sometimes even online. Uh, Going grocery shopping anytime other than when it's the emptiest. And everyone reacts to social anxiety completely different. Uh, Some people come off as just like really shy or quiet or just really disinterested. Um, Or on the other hand, people can be shaking and sweating and completely avoiding eye contact. It literally comes out different for everybody. Unfortunately, from my experience... Both reactions are 100% completely misinterpreted every time because people either don't believe in anxiety or have no idea people actually have it or that it exists. (laughs) I'm constantly told I'm a huge bitch because I'm quiet and I don't talk to anybody. And when I leave, I never say goodbye. And I don't really meet new people by choice Um, and pretty much overall completely disinterested in other humans. And although, for the most part, I am pretty disinterested in humans, I am constantly reading people and watching them and analyzing every moment to make sure I am safe at all times. I don't have time to make friends in social situations because I am too busy trying to survive and find an out in case anything happens so if you happen to know somebody that's socially anxious please don't make them feel more uncomfortable than they already do if somebody has social anxiety the last thing they want is to be put on the spot because they're not acting the way everybody else wants them to be acting sometimes the entire fact that a person with social anxiety is out is like that should be enough honestly because the the energy and the mental roller coaster you go through to just prepare yourself for a night out when you have social anxiety is exhausting enough and if somebody's coming out and they have this anxiety just don't make it harder for them it's not going to help anybody phobias fall under anxiety as well Some of the most common phobias include airplanes, driving or being in the car, enclosed spaces, natural disasters or just nature in general like thunderstorms, heights, the dark, animals and insects like dogs, snakes, and spiders, and unfortunately, due to the wonderful fucking world we live in, Going to school has now become a common phobia in all aged students. A phobia is an extreme anxiety when you come across whatever it is you're afraid of and an overwhelming need to avoid it. This could include inanimate objects as well. They provoke panic attacks on the person who comes in contact with their biggest fear. Phobias are persistent extremely excessive and unrealistic if your phobia starts interfering with your life like your phobia is planes and your career is traveling by planes definitely go get help as soon as possible i'm sure there's phobias out there that aren't going to pop up in your life all the time so you probably don't have as much of a worry as like like I said previously a person who is scared of planes that has to travel by plane all the time like if you're afraid of I don't know clowns and you don't see clowns all the time you just avoid places with clowns it's probably not healthy to have that fear of clowns like you should probably still get help for that But it's not as in dire need as the person who is afraid of planes and cannot 
do their job because they can't get on a plane. I don't think anybody should live in fear. So if your fear of clowns, even though you don't see them every day, is affecting you negatively and you want help, go get help. Help is never a bad thing. Substance-induced anxiety is when you get intense anxiety or panic, and it's directly related to misuse of drugs, whether intentional or not. Taking certain medications that have anxiety as a side effect or being exposed to a type of toxic substance or if you are withdrawing from drugs. If you have had anxiety before being introduced to an anxiety-inducing substance or withdraw, then it is not considered substance-induced anxiety. Some prescription medications have side effects that can cause anxiety like stimulants, steroids, uh, medications for Parkinson's or thyroid issues, and even asthma treatments, which has happened to me. I have had a panic attack thanks to my asthma treatment. So yeah, be careful with that. Uh, Non-prescription drugs like decongestants often cause anxiety as well. Caffeine uh, is the most common cause of anxiety. And of course, alcohol and illegal drugs like cocaine, meth, and psychedelics can often cause really severe anxiety or panic attacks. Anxiety symptoms usually start to show with when you start taking the drugs or within a few days after you stop taking the drugs. If you start taking a medication and you recognize that you are feeling a lot more anxiety than normal or you begin to have panic attacks that you never had before, definitely go talk to your doctor, especially the one that prescribed it to you. Like if your psychologist prescribed it to you, try to talk to your psychologist, not your primary doctor, because the psychologist is going to know a little bit more about why and how and dosage and all that. So try to talk to the doctor that prescribed you the medication and talk to them about like possible side effects and how you're feeling. And more often than not, if they're a good doctor, they will switch you as soon as possible. Um, Especially if you just started taking the medication and these symptoms started, uh, they will probably switch you out, if not same day the next day, and try something new. So don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Do not let the anxiety get so out of hand that you now have to start taking anxiety medication to combat the side effect of the other medication that caused the anxiety. So just there are so many medications out there. Um, So don't be afraid to tell your doctor that you're not feeling well and that you want to try a different medication. And they should say yes. And hopefully the anxiety will go away. Remember that a little bit of worry can be healthy. It's your body's natural response to preventing danger and future pain. But when it becomes full-blown anxiety, you're way better off getting help. Uh, You want to get treatment for your anxiety as soon as possible because it can and it will get worse. And I promise you, you don't want it getting out of hand. Treatments don't always have to be medication. No one is making you take medication you don't want to take. Also, don't completely rule out medication. Um, it could be something that could potentially help you and further you along this journey with anxiety. So don't completely rule it out. Some people can do without it, and that's great. And some people can't, and that's completely fine too. Don't feel like you are losing or you aren't strong enough, or you are giving up on yourself or anything negative with you needing a little bit of help for medication. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And don't let anybody make you feel bad for that because nobody knows what's going on in your head but you, and nobody knows what's going on in your body but you. So don't allow somebody else's opinion on what they think you should do with your mental health 
when you know you better. So if medication is going to be something that helps you get to the next step, then absolutely use it. It's a tool. It's there for you to use. But before you can even get medication, you're going to need a diagnosis. So that's your first step is to find a primary care physician if you don't already have one and discuss with them that you are feeling anxious or symptoms of anxiety and you would like an assessment. And I say go to your primary care physician before you just jump directly into a psychologist because most of the time a primary care physician can run some tests to rule out any other type of health condition you may have that could be causing the anxiety. So if they run a bunch of tests and they find out you have like a thyroid problem or a heart problem and that's what's causing your anxiety, then there's no reason for you to have to get referred to a psychologist because the cause of your anxiety is something that the primary care physician can either, if it's easy enough to fix in office with medication or if they need to send you to a specialist like a cardiologist or um, I'm not sure what specialist thyroids, urinals and throat probably, I don't know. Um, But yeah, they, they take the necessary steps that they need to before, you know, they come to the conclusion that it's a mental illness rather than a health condition. If your primary care physician gets the results back and everything is great and there's no abnormalities and there's no underlying condition for your anxiety, that's when they will refer you to a psychologist. Now, it's up to you whether or not you want to research the psychologist that they refer you to or if you want to go to your insurance and research the covered psychologists that um, they cover or if you're self-pay, like just doing research on psychologists in your area, I highly recommend that you do that because finding a psychologist is really hard. And if you want help with your anxiety and you want to get through that hurdle in your life, you want to find somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable with talking about your thoughts and your feelings and, you know, your life in general, because that's what they're there for. They're there to guide you through these hurdles and you want somebody on your team. So just be aware that you might not find your forever psychologist at first. It might take a couple, but yeah, definitely do your research. And if that time comes and you do get referred to a psychologist, you know, look up their reviews and see if it's something you want to go through with them or if you want to do your research and you know find somebody else as i mentioned before i did some polls on my instagram stories just to kind of see where everyone's at with anxiety and like how much people know about it and they weren't really intricate polls if you took it you know it was very like basic questions but that's that's all i kind of wanted to know is just basic questions come to find out Many people think they have anxiety but have never been diagnosed. And 100% of the people that answered uh, if they know anybody with anxiety, all of them said yes. So it's crazy to me that even though we don't know if we have anxiety, we definitely know someone with anxiety. Yet it's still something most people know very little about. And I get that most people don't really care about things that aren't directly affecting them and lucky them. But for the rest of us that do deal with it personally or have people in our lives that deal with it, we need to and we want to learn how to maneuver life while we're constantly internally panicking while smiling. There are some things I've done since I was a kid that have helped me calm myself for the most part. Uh, Obviously, they haven't cured me because I still have fucking anxiety. But I still do them to this day because they actually work for me. Uh, Maybe not every time, but for the most part, they work. (laughs) Um, I don't know if my grandma knew I had anxiety before she died. 
um, and just didn't know what anxiety was or like how to explain it. But she she focused on my what she called was a gift of seeing spirits and feeling energies and all of that good stuff. Um, So she taught me how to use pressure points. And I guess I don't really know what it's called, but like zoning out into one spot to stop all of the voices and the bad energy and all of that. I mean, honestly, it killed two birds with one stone because when the dead people would bother me and would annoy me and try to talk to me all the time, um, I would just focus on something and tell them to leave me alone in my head and they would leave me alone. So great (laughs) and you know and when I would have anxiety I'd do the same thing I'd focus on something and then you know do my little pressure points on my forehead and my neck I think it was and then I think I tapped my heart or something I don't remember exactly what I used to do when I was little but yeah I'd, I'd do the same thing for anxiety after my grandma died uh my anxiety got really intense I started getting physically sick due to my anxiety and I ruined a lot of family vacations thanks to it and around this time we were going somewhere I can't remember where but we were going on some type of trip we as in me and my family and my sister my oldest sister was probably fucking sick of having to take care of me every time we went anywhere so she sat me down before the trip and she told me When you feel like you're getting sick, just tell yourself, I'm fine, I'm great, everything's fine, I'm fine, I'm going to be fine. And just repeat it and repeat it in your head or out loud until you calm down. Look, my sister is smart as hell. She has always been smart as hell. (laughs) She graduated with honors at one of the best veterinary schools in the country, like straight A's, got scholarships all the time. Like this woman is so smart. And obviously at that age, she was wise beyond her years because she was like a preteen when she taught me this magic. (laughs) So, you know, here she is preteen teaching her younger sister affirmations. So thanks, sis. Maybe a year or so after learning those wonderful affirmations from my sister, I became strangely interested in India and meditation and just like the origins of meditation and like how they practice it and just all of it. I I was so into just learning about meditation. So I started reading tons of books about it every chance I got and how to do it and you know, lear- learning the works about meditation. So since about the age of nine-ish, um, I've been trying to meditate on and off. I am fucking horrible at doing it regularly. I know <laughs> that if I did, I would have much better control of my anxiety because the little bit that I do is so beneficial to me and it always has been. Um, it's really hard to do when my mental health is really, 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 really bad. Uh, It's really hard to get myself out of that mentality long enough for me to be able to benefit from the meditation. So I totally get all of you out there that are like, meditation doesn't work for me. It is something you have to work at very, very hard. It is something you have to consistently work at. It is something that is not a one-time thing and it's going to cure you. It's definitely something you have to work at. So I understand the frustration behind that. And I understand why so many people um, get frustrated and annoyed when people are like, oh, just meditate. Because when you have a million, trillion, gajillion thoughts going through your head 24-7 and you can't stop them and somebody is asking you to just sit in in silence and not think... (laughs) Even though that's a common misconception and meditation is not about not thinking. It's just about being able to come back to the present and to come back to focusing on your breath 
or whatever you're staring at or, you know, whatever you're meditating on. It's being able to drift away with your thoughts and then recognizing that your thoughts are just thoughts and then coming back to your breath. And that's what the basis of meditation is. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't meditate because I can't stop my brain. No, nobody's asking you to stop your brain, honey. Nobody. Absolutely nobody is asking you. It's just teaching you how to, I don't want to say control your thoughts because it's not necessarily controlling them. It's more of like being, gaining the ability to maneuver what you're focusing on. So if you're focusing on your thoughts, you're training yourself to be able to recognize that they're just thoughts and then go back to focusing on your breathing or the picture you're staring at or, you know, whatever it is that you're focusing on. Those are just some things that I have realized work for me. Um, they've worked for other people too. They don't work for everybody, but you know. I highly recommend that you try them at least. Um, acupressure is really great for anxiety. Uh, if you can afford acupuncture, even better. But I highly recommend trying those three things. Just to start, um, you're more than welcome to research and find ways to help your anxiety in any way that you feel fit for your life and for your emotions and for what you're going through. So, you know, just some suggestions. <laughs> when it comes to panic, uh, one thing a lot of people who either deal with panic or know somebody that deals with panic don't know is how to handle someone, whether it's themselves or another person during a panic attack. Uh, if you go through panic yourself, it's best to set up a a type of plan with someone that you feel safe with so they know how to help you manage your panic attack when it's happening. There are common things you can do during a panic attack, but it will help most if you tell at least one person how they can calm you down in your specific way. And what I mean by that is that you want this person that you trust to know what you need in that moment of panic. Do you need a hug? Do you need water? Do you need um, a specific type of music like, you know, like a lullaby or classical music, something to calm you down? Do you want to smell something that calms you down like lavender or, you know, just something specific to you that you know would really help in calming you down make sure you tell this person that the most common calming technique that people use when having a panic attack is the 333 rule it's focusing on three things you can see three things you can hear and three things you can touch within your current environment but it's definitely something you have to be patient with because it's not an instant fix it's not going to immediately bring you back down from your panic attack. It's it's not going to be something that happens immediately. You kind of have to work at it. And it helps when somebody is there with you to, you know, point things out and say, you know, like, look at this or touch this or play a sound for them. You know, it, it helps when there's somebody there guiding you. But if you can do it on your own. That's, that's a really great way to calm yourself down from a panic attack. What helps me when I'm having a panic attack, because normally when I have them, I'm alone, um, is I like to take either a really cold or a really warm shower due to my constant pain. It's usually warm because cold hurts like hell. Uh, I, I like to hold on to something st soft like a stuffed animal or a pillow. Um, I focus on the feeling of my feet on the ground, whether in shoes or barefoot. I usually like to do barefoot, um, but shoes work too. I love to do body scans, but a body scan where I tense up like different parts of 
my body and then like I hold it and then I release that that helps a lot uh sometimes I can't do it when I'm in mid panic so I just focus on the body scanning and kind of coming back to my own body and usually I listen to music louder than my thoughts so I just drown them out with music and that tends to help Now, when someone else is having a panic attack, you should either move them to a quiet location or make the current location as quiet as possible. But always ask the person what they need. Some people want to be held. Others don't want to be touched at all. Speak in short, simple sentences to not overwhelm them with having to come up with intricate answers when they can barely breathe. Remind them that this attack will pass and try to help them focus on something other than what they're panicking on. It's really important that you help them calm their breathing down. You can have them focus on their breath or what has worked for me is trying to sync my breathing with their breathing by placing my hand on their chest so I can physically feel the breath pattern. Avoid surprises of any kind and make sure the situation doesn't get worse. Most importantly, stay calm. You need to stay calm for them because if you're freaking out, it's only going to make their panic so much worse. Understand that just because their fears seem ridiculous to you, they're extremely real in that person's mind. The best thing you can do for someone in your life that suffers from panic attacks is to learn their warning signs. Although panic triggers may be unclear and attacks seem to come out of nowhere, notice changes in the person or habits that they might have right before they're going to panic. I don't know what my triggers are, but I've learned that when I furiously start rubbing my hands together while sweating and holding my breath, then my anxiety is turning into something more and I need to go somewhere quiet where I can focus on something or watch animal videos. And no, I've never told anybody that. So I definitely need to work on being more vocal about my warning signs. So uh, be better than me, please. As of right now, one in three people experience anxiety symptoms. So you are completely not alone. It's America's most common mental illness and has many treatment options that help most people that do want treatment. Yet one third of people actually seek professional help. Anxiety is known to be hereditary. So normally if somebody in your family has anxiety, there's a high possibility that you will too. Treatments for anxiety vary from person to person. And I will probably repeat this a million times, but what works for one person might not work for another. Of course, there are meds and lifestyle changes that work for many people, but that doesn't mean it'll work for you in the same way or at all. Uh, You have to learn and listen to your body. We've come a long way with treatments considering they used to give out opium, alcohol, and bromide salts, now used in vet medicine, for anxiety, like it was candy in the 1800s. (laughs) As we now know... If you need medication, you will absolutely need to see a doctor for it. Whether the doctor's online or in person, you need someone to make sure the meds are good for you and are helping you. Please do not self-medicate. And also, advocate for yourself. Do not let these doctors push you around. You know your body and you know how you feel. If your doctor is being dismissive or over-medicating you, stand up for yourself or take someone who will advocate for you. The process is not always easy or fun. Sometimes you go through a bunch of different meds and different dosages before you find something that works. Maybe it'll be one magical pill that helps all of your anxiety. (laughs) Or maybe it'll be a combo of three pills that bring you back down to your normal. Just know that if you do decide to go down the medication path, first of all, all the best of luck to you. And I hope you find something that works with minimal to no side effects. But also remember that combining your meds with other techniques will elevate your treatment plan by a noticeable amount. Some easy ways you can manage your anxiety is by doing your own research about anxiety and learning as much as you can, practicing mindfulness, 
uh, relaxation techniques. Like my favorite is the body scan that I mentioned earlier, where you tense up your muscles by each body part and then you release them after holding it for a bit. Uh, breathing techniques like breathing in for four seconds, holding for four seconds, and then releasing the breath for four seconds. And of course, you can adjust the seconds to your choosing depending on what suits you best. Um, diet changes um, since some foods contribute to anxiety, like eating way too much red meat could greatly increase your anxiety. CBT is probably one of my favorite things and one of the most beneficial for anxiety. It stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and it's a way to change your negative thoughts into positive thoughts by basically attacking the negative thoughts with more helpful thoughts. It's helpful to do this with a therapist because having someone help you figure out what's a negative thought and what is a true statement that can counteract that thought can be extremely helpful when you really don't have any positive thoughts to begin with. Exposure therapy is probably the most helpful in my opinion uh, because it kind of forces you to face your fears and recognize that you are a lot stronger than you think you are. It's gradual, so don't worry about being flung into your biggest fear on your first day because they will know exactly how to walk you through exposing you to your fears in a healthy and non-traumatizing manner. <laughs> Learning to problem solve is a huge lesson to learn when battling anxiety because nothing sends you into a panic faster then truly believing you have no solution to your problem and you're stuck. Remember, if there is no solution, there is no problem. Meaning, if there is no solution to your problem, then the next step is to just accept it and move on. There is no reason to stress yourself over a problem that has absolutely no solution to it. Joining support groups for some people might help. Uh, it's nice to know that there are other people out there with fears that they can't manage. It's nice to hear other stories and experiences so that you can gain knowledge about what works and what doesn't work for you. Sometimes the best advice you can get is from someone that's experiencing what you are and learning how they survive. And honestly, just having a community of people that kind of understand what you're going through can be really uplifting especially since finding the perfect combo of things to treat your anxiety can be exhausting and sometimes you will feel defeated, especially if things aren't working. So don't give up. There are things out there that you can try and things will get better. Just keep working at it. Currently, my anxiety is better than it's been in a really long time, which is kind of hilarious to me because my life has been in shambles for a while but at least my anxiety is, I, I guess. I have my days where I'm super anxious all day. And I wake up almost every single day throwing up from the instant panic I feel when I open my eyes. But my anxiety was much worse. My anxiety was so bad at one point that I was throwing up so much I gave myself a hiatal hernia. If you don't know what that is, it's when your stomach gets pushed into your esophagus and forms a huge ball. I literally threw up my stomach into my food pipe. <laughs> and there's absolutely nothing I can do about it other than surgery. My anxiety has caused a lot of negative things in my life. And I know my fears are probably really stupid and irrational. So I just keep them to myself and torment my brain with what ifs and intense situations that haven't happened and probably won't. I know it's not healthy. So I started writing more. I've always been a writer for as long as I can remember. So it's really easy for me to just get everything out through writing. Sometimes my pen isn't fast enough and I get frustrated. But overall, it's probably the best thing I can do for myself. Brain dumps really put shit into perspective. <laughs> I like to write everything down without thinking about it and then not looking at it again for a few days or weeks. I've also seen a massive difference in the level my anxiety is at every day after taking ashwagandha for the last five or six months now. 
I tried it not really expecting much. And I have to say my everyday anxiety has gone down quite a significant amount. Where I was at a 9-10 in severity, I am now at like a 3-4 with moments of intense feelings. And I know everything is not perfect, but yoga, daily walks, diet change, supplements, daily self-care, learning, and creating are all things I started doing a while ago and I've seen a tremendous change I am not great at keeping a routine thanks to my chronic illnesses and failing mental health, but I put forth an effort to do what I can every day. And the effort is what's most important. Don't go measuring your success with another person's ruler, darling. You'll never get the results you want. I hope I was able to teach you some stuff that will help you or anyone you know. Uh, There's so much more information I have that I really didn't want to make this episode three hours long with. So I'm just going to be making Instagram posts with more information and a blog post with some other information regarding anxiety. And uh, I will also be providing a link to the Calm app and a link to the anxiety tests that you can take or send to someone in the description of the podcast. I think I'm going to put the links in my link tree on Instagram and on my website as well. Thank you for listening to me talk about anxiety. I know it's not an easy thing to deal with being in fight or flight constantly, but I have complete faith in you and I know you will find ways to manage this and have the life that you want and deserve. Please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Mental Magic. Uh, magic is with an X instead of a C. If you have any questions or if you just want to chat about mental health. Thanks again for listening and I hope to reach you on my next episode.